Rick is teaching from John 1, 43 through 51 this morning. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Thanks, Joey. Let's, uh, let's pray and then dig into this really, really great passage. Um, God, thank you uh, so much for this morning. Thank you for our opportunity that you've given to us to be in your presence today, God. I, I pray that you would... Um, Guide us as we consider who you are. Guide us as we, um, we seek to understand what it is that you have to say to us this morning. And, and Father, I, I pray that you would convince us this morning that, that you have something to say to us this morning to reveal your son Jesus to our hearts and our need and our desire for a Savior. Um, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Um, very excited about this passage. Um, John chapter 1 is one of the greatest chapters in, in Scripture. And the whole book of John is really cool because um, the, the concept that, that of the book of John is to present Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Savior, as the Christ, as the Messiah. And before I get started, I want to kind of lay those things in front of us. When we, see, when we say Messiah, when we say Christ, when we say Savior, we're saying the same thing. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's his title. He is the one that everyone from, for all time has been looking towards and looking forward to. And, um, and that's most of John chapter 1 is about putting that forward in front of us. And, and really, most of the entire book of John is about putting that in front of us. So um, we're going to walk through this thing verse by verse here this morning. So let's, let's dig in. Uh, John 1, 43 says, The next day... Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Um, We've been talking about behold the gospel for the last few weeks, and this, uh, this this phrase, follow me, is the same idea that we've been talking about when we we say behold the gospel. So the behold is the follow me part. Um, And it's an invitation for us to enter into all that Christ is, to engage with all that he is, and allow him to speak to who we are and who he is. Um, I've been listening to a podcast that, that sets this tempo, this, this idea, pretty, pretty good. Um, it's about this guy who is, uh, he's really into clocks and he likes to, to make and, and fix old antique clocks. And apparently in the 90s, there's this, there's this uh, massive want and need for antique clocks. And so this guy was like renowned. He had no idea, but he was renowned all over the country as being the best clock fixer. 
And so there's this guy who's got a, a problem. He's in Alabama. There's a guy in another town in Alabama who's got a problem with this, this really important, really uh, expensive antique clock. He can't fix it. He can't make, figure out how to work. And so he looks around the internet and finds this guy, and he goes to this little rural town in Alabama and finds this guy and goes to his, his shop. And he's like this really eccentric, really weird guy. And so he, he says, I got this problem. I, I can't fix it. I, I can't fix this problem. And this guy has this, this very, uh, his, his reputation is that he's not interested in just making the clock work again. He's interested in restoring the clock to its original state. There's a big difference there. And that's kind of the, the, the point of, of this, the reason I'm telling the story is that the clock make, the clock fixer, he's not interested in making the clock work again. He's interested in, in restoring the clock to its original purpose. So he, the, the guy that doesn't know how to fix goes to the guy who doesn't know how to fix and they're in his shop working. And uh, fire, hit that, that image up. Uh, this is what he's working with on this clock. These are uh, needle files. And this guy's got a bunch of different ones, sizes, uh, different coarsenesses, coarsenesses, is that a word? Whatever. Different degrees of course. Um, and, and so he's working on this clock. And so what it is, is it's a, a, a finishing pallet or a gathering pallet is, is what this guy's working on. And so basically it's a bunch of gears and then one sharp object that fits down into these gears that makes everything tick. And so everything has to be absolutely perfect or the, the time won't keep, or the time won't keep perfectly. And so he's not interested. He could replace this gathering pallet with one that would work, but instead he wants to restore it to its original purpose. And more, the, the cool part is this guy, he could have made it work with a piece that nobody would have ever seen from the outside, but on the inside, he would have known that it was not the way the original clockmaker intended it. So he uses these little things for three and a half hours working on one little tiny gear that is like, you got to wear like, microscopic glasses to kind of get to see all the fine details and the minutia that's there. And he worked for three and a half hours on it so that he can restore the clock. And when we see Jesus encountering people in this passage with the phrase, follow me, it's that idea that, that's connotated. So we hear follow me and it's like, okay, I'm going to follow this person, but there's more to it than that. It's the behold the gospel. It's the Jesus intends for you to see him rightly. And when you see him rightly, you see your sin, you see your, your inadequacies, you see your, their problems. And Jesus' goal is not to make you work, not to make, not to fix you. His goal is to restore the perfect image of God that, was, that is in you and to bring that out and to restore it. Like, that is, that's really incredible news for us. That's praiseworthy news for Jesus because we, you and I, are intended to live in perfect, abiding, communing relationship with God and with people. And we look around this earth and see that it's just not happening you, like, do you have to look very hard to see how we just don't work? And, and our job, what we think we need to be doing is figuring out, figuring out laws or, or ways to, to serve people and ways to do different things to fix the problem. We want to put a new gathering pallet in the old clock. Jesus, when he says, follow me, he's not interested in the time that you keep. You hear me? 
He's interested in, in restoring what is intended in you, which is something more beautiful than we could ever imagine. Scripture even says that. No eye is seen, nor ear is heard, no mind is conceived, but God has prepared for those who love him. And in the midst of that, God is, is bringing you back to that place. And the hard part is, he's using files and poking and hurting you, like damaging you, so that he can get you back to, your, to the restored place. And when Jesus says, follow me here in this passage, that's, that's what he's talking about. We are designed to be naked and unashamed, completely vulnerable, completely comfortable with that vulnerability. That's our design. Verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida in the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So we're, we're coming up on a season called Christmas, right? And some of you guys look forward to Christmas. Some of you guys are a little frustrated because Thanksgiving doesn't get its due. Amen. Amen. That's right. <laughs> this, is, this is great. A husband and a wife, one saying yes, one saying no. Perfect illustration. I didn't plan this, but that's absolutely perfect. That's like we... We have this longing, this expectation for things. Like, do you know that that longing, that expectation that you have was put there by God? It's the image of God in you. When you long for Thanksgiving or when you long for Christmas, it's the image of God coming out of you. Because we're, we're desiring to see something made right. And we're, we celebrate the, the beauty of those two holidays and, and we get frustrated when, when something you know, encroaches on that. But at the heart of it, it's, it's this idea that we're longing and looking for something. But these people, back in this day, when, when they come and say, I found the one that Moses and all the prophets have looked for, have waited for. And um, Joe, hit that, hit that next slide with those dates on it. Um, so these people, all the people in the story, Nathaniel, Peter, Andrew, uh, all these people in the story were, were part of this process. They had been, they had, their, part of their history was that their people, the Israelites, had been in captivity in three different ways. They, were, they had been in captivity for 70 years under Assyrian captivity, for 48 years under Babylonian captivity, and for 430 years under Egyptian captivity. And, like, I want to connect those things. Like, we've seen in our past how hard life can be. Like, I... Our country is a, a couple of hundred years old, and that pales in comparison to this. The, the promises that have been made all throughout the course of, of Scripture, of the Old Testament, hundreds and thousands of years had taken place between the time when, when God made promises to Moses and to Noah and to Abraham and to David. He made all those promises to those people that I'm going to establish my kingdom and my throne longer than we've been a country. And all the problems that exist here within us, all the, like, this just doesn't, this, I'm just so frustrated. Have you guys been, like, I'm, I, I really get frustrated with the way that our world is. But it's nothing compared to, to the sheer time that these people had generations upon generations upon generations upon generations had tried to believe in the hope 
that God would one day restore things. And now, here, he says, I found him. I found him. Let's think about this. What have you, I've, I've thought this a lot. How great would it be for a 25-year-old Martin Luther King Jr. to be alive today? How great would that be? How excited would we be about that? How great would it be if Abraham Lincoln, a, a, 30, a 40-year-old Abraham Lincoln was our president right now? How great would that be? Seriously, or, or whoever, a, a great president of, of past that was in, in office 150 years ago. What if that guy was, was our president today? What if? what if? What if Nelson Mandela was alive today and living in our country? How great would that be? Do you, do you long for that kind of stuff? That longing is exactly what this is talking about. What, how cool would that be? It wouldn't be as cool as we think it is because all of those people are sinful, sinful men who, who have done and participated in terrible things. But they've been, been and done great, incredible things. They would be putting a, a bad fix on a clock that doesn't work. Jesus is about restoring, and only Christ can restore us. We, by nature, long for Messiah. Do you, do you, have you connected with that lately? Like, you long for a Messiah. I long for a Messiah. I'm frustrated by lots of things. But I don't necessarily long for Jesus as much as I long for a Messiah. Do you see the difference in that? I long for someone to come and fix this. I don't so much long for someone to come and show me my sin and fix me. But I'm trying. I'm praying. I'm asking. This is your Messiah. Verse 46, Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Two things important to point out in this verse is that is a deeply prejudiced thing to say. Can anything come good come out of Nazareth? This is racism. It's, it's there, that's quick, out of this guy's mouth. I found the one who is our Messiah that we've waited hundreds of years for. I've, I've found him. He's in Nazareth. And the immediate response to Nathaniel is, there's nothing good that comes out of Nazareth. It's sin. It's prejudice. It's terrible. And look at the response. Come and see. There's nothing good that can come out of Nazareth. And Philip responds to him and says, come and see. You guys, the, the, the answer to our sin, the answer to our prejudice, the answer to every bad thing about us is come and see. To engage with Jesus. I, I spent that time talking about follow me. I spent that time talking about the clockmaker. I spent the last two weeks talking about behold the gospel. The answer to the sin problem that's in your heart is Christ. Jesus Christ. That's, there's, there's nothing else. Come and see. I want to spend some time uh, 
we're, we're a, a small church and we can do this. Let's take advantage. Um, I'm going to spend some, I want to spend some time right now for each of us in silence to stop and think about our sin. Think about your sin. I'm going to ask you in a minute, I'm going to set it up right now, then I'm asking you in a minute to stop and disregard everybody else in the room and engage with God. Come and see and ask him to show you your sin. Nathaniel had the sin of prejudice and racism. You may have those same sins. Me, I'm going to sit right there in just a second, and I'm going to pray that God would, would show me where I've been prejudiced, show me where I've been lazy, show me where I've given into lust, show me where, where I've, I've been frustrated and too easily angered. Those are the sins that I struggle with all the time. And so I'm going to ask you to pause for a moment, one, two minutes, and ask God to show you those things. And then we're going to seek to have God fix us, to restore us. So take a minute right now where you're sitting. If you need to bow your head or close your eyes, do that. But let's ask God to show us our sin. Um, When we sin... And when we experience conviction for sin, it's a cry for Messiah. When a relationship is broken or damaged, it's a cry for Messiah. Politics is a cry for a Messiah. Racism is a cry for a Messiah. Poverty, greed, all these things are cries for a Messiah. And we found the one that is the Messiah. And he says, follow me. Uh, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Um, this is one of the most important things that, that we can know about Jesus. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. That sin that you just prayed about, that God just revealed to you, Jesus knew it before you thought about it. Jesus knows every bit of you. Jesus knows all your sin, all your shortcomings, all your prejudices. Jesus knows. Yet, he continues to build bridges to you. Like Jesus is is suffering, is laboring, is pursuing you. That's That's an... I have a really hard time getting past that idea. That Jesus knows... Everything there is to know about me. You guys only know what like I choose to let you know. I only know about you what you choose to let me know. It's like Facebook. Like I was, I was at a funeral a couple weeks ago, and I bumped into a really old friend who at one point was one of my best friends. And he said, I see your Facebook post. I hear things that think, looks like things are really going well for you. And I'm like, you see what I put on Facebook. You see what I want you to see. And our lives are like that. 
Our lives are to degrees like that. Like there's some people, like my wife and my close friends, know a little bit more about me and, and I'm a little bit more honest with them. But, but I want you to know that Jesus knows everything about you. He knows the thoughts that you have. He knows the thoughts that you have. Man, yet he continues to build bridges towards you. I am I'm amazed by that. Verse 49, Nathaniel's response to that notion. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. I had us walk through that, that exercise of, of engaging with our sin to bring us to a place to see Christ as Savior and the response of engaging with Christ is to see him rightly and the response of that is to be who we were created to be. Are, like, are you daring enough? Are you convinced enough that Jesus loves you and has a great purpose for you? Are you convinced enough of that fact to say to Jesus, take the files and scrape it in my life? Make it miserable for me if that's going to bring me to a place to see you more rightly. Are, are, can, we, can we do that? Or are you courageous enough to do that? Do you trust Jesus enough to do that? I mean, look at what just happened here. This guy utters a, a terribly prejudicial statement. He judges Jesus before he knows anything about him. Something that would, like, if this guy were in office to, in this season, in, in our age, he would have to leave his position. You're no longer my governor. You're no longer my whatever. He would, this, was a, this was a really bad statement that he made. And the immediate response of both Jesus and the guy is repentance. Just like that. Are we, are, are we so in love and so faithful and so convinced of the promises of Jesus that we're willing to expose everything that we are about ourselves because we know in him and in him alone lies life. Because we seek other messiahs, we seek other Christs as our saviors, as our hopes, as our dreams, as, as the thing that's going to bring us fulfillment. I got news for you. None of those people I mentioned before, King, Mandela, Lincoln, none of those people can bring you hope. Jesus alone can bring you hope. Are we willing to say, this is who I am. I repent of my sin and see Jesus rightly. I think it's the, the most important question that we can ask ourselves. As Christians, after we've received Christ, are we willing to, to fillet ourselves and let him work? 
Because ultimately, seeing Jesus rightly is the only thing that brings about repentance in us. Um, I want to just read through this passage again over us and then pray and, and, and worship him. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses and in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. God, thank you for revealing your Son, Jesus Christ, as our hope and our Savior. God, thank you that we will see greater things than these. Father, I pray that you would rise up people in our midst to to bring about your change, to bring about your purposes, to, to bring about your restoration. I pray that you would bring Raise people up to be that in our midst, Father. Even within this church, Father, I pray you would raise people up to bring your peace and your joy and your hope and your restoration among us, Father. God, would you do that? But Lord, I pray that those people, and, and even in our hearts, we would see your son Jesus as our only hope and our only Messiah and the Messiah and the Savior. God, you are most excellent and most mighty, Father. I, I pray, God, there are, God, use us to bring about your restoration in this world. God, use us to bring about your restoration in relationships, Father. God, there are broken relationships within this congregation. There are broken relationships among these people outside of these walls, Father that you intend to restore through your simple statement of us to, to follow you, to see you as Messiah. God, I pray that, that this wouldn't be a, a typical response to a sermon, Father, but you would instead engage with us, Father, and, and show us how you are calling us to go and bring your restoration God, I pray you would bring us to a place where we could repent of our sin, Father. We can be open and honest about our sin. And the result would be that we know you more deeply, more intimately. We would follow you more closely. And the result of that would be us abiding in relationship with you. God, thank you so much 
for Jesus. God, I thank you that he has grace upon grace. That he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. God, would you give us the courage and strength today to follow your son Jesus. It's in his perfect name that I pray. Amen.